in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Ghost was poured out and they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance and they started dancing and shouting having Holy Ghost church and all the people that had get, the sound had attracted them from all nationalities said my God these people are drunk and it's 9 o'clock in the morning they're already drunk bunch of alcoholics up here just trying to party I'm going to call the cops on them praise God I'm trying to I'm trying to eat breakfast and they in there acting up and, and Peter stood up and Peter said these men and women are not drunk as you suppose notice he didn't say they wasn't drunk he just said they ain't drunk like you think they are drunk but they ain't drunk like you think they're, drink, they're drunk on the new wine praise God they ain't drunk on Jack Daniels they ain't drunk on the king of beers come on somebody they're drunk on the king of kings <laughs> hallelujah praise God he said this is that somebody shout this is that this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall, shall, if you got a son or a daughter, shout, my son or daughter will prophesy. Say it over your kids right now. Say, my kids will prophesy. Woo! How many knows I'm an old man in here, so I'm with y'all when I say you're old men. How many old folks we got in the house consider yourself old? Or maybe don't consider yourself old, but everybody else calls you old. Praise God. Oh, your old men shall dream dreams. That means they shall long for the return of the days of the glory of God. Your young men, how many young folks we got in the house? Shout amen. Oh, come on, young folks. If you think you're young, go ahead. You ain't got to be a teenager. If you still feel young at heart, shout yeah. Your young folks shall see visions. That means they're going to see things that us old folks thought was gone and we can't even see anymore. So we got to get to the place that we can't consider these young people that just got up on this platform and even these kids that are in their classes right now. We cannot consider them the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. And if we'll listen to what they're saying that God is saying, they can tell us more about what God is saying than some of you old fogies that's been stuck in religion for as long as you have. Is this microphone working? It's a brand new microphone. I want to make sure it's working. Now, by the way, I got a new talk back up there. Watch out now. Tatiana's on the keys today, y'all. Anthony's watching on live stream. Appreciate you, sisters. You're a mighty woman of God. Mighty woman of God. Now, last week I told you it was called part two, first things first. The first, what you got to get first things first is this. Before you can move into the glory of God, you got to move through repentance. I mean, those John the Baptist says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was baptized by him, and then Jesus started preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Last week I showed you that when the Holy Ghost fell in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached, repent. Repent. Nobody likes to talk about repent anymore, but you can't be forgiven of your sins without repentance. Are y'all still alive? I'm trying to set my sermon up, y'all. So somebody shout, repent. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you need to repent. Mm -hmm. And if they got offended by you telling them that, they definitely need to repent. I told you that it says repent and for the remission of your sins. It's time for us to understand what remission of our sins means. It means to be taken away, and it goes so far as to say in the original Greek, and the penalty 
has completely been removed and you have been pardoned for the sin. I remember old time preachers when I was a young boy, they'd say, I tell you what you need to be. You need to be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And then they'd say, but I tell you what, some of you jumped over. Some of you said you're saved. Some of you said you're sanctified. Some of you said you're full of the Holy Ghost. But nobody has talked about being justified. He said, you need to understand about the power of justification. I remember him saying it was, it was a cute little way of saying it, but it's the best way to define it. He said, if you want to understand what justified means, it means just if I'd never sinned. Are you hearing me? Just if I'd never sinned. That's what remission of sins is. I'm not talking about being sorry. I'm not talking about feeling better about the fact that you owned up to something. I'm talking about you changed your mind. That's what repent means, change your mind. Are you alive, church? See, some of y'all thought I preached under a new anointing when they consecrated me as a bishop. Thought I preached under a new anointing when I went to World Harvest Church and came back. Uh, but let me tell you, they ain't nothing like preaching under a papa anointing. Y'all don't even understand. I got a papa anointing on me today, y'all. Come on. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Jim. Come on, come on. That's what I'm talking about. It's like a spring chicken again. Life has begun again. Acts chapter 3. Somebody say Acts 3. But watch this. Every time you quote Acts, remember what it means. Acts of the apostles. But it goes on to mean the Acts of the early church. Huh? Huh? If God did it in the early church, what he did in the early church, he wants to do in this church. Quit reading it like a historical document of something that happened to a group of people, and it's a great story. Read it as if it's alive. Read it as if, my God, I want that. My God, I want to see a vision. My God, I want my shadow to heal the sick. My God, I want people to see fire on the top of my head. I pray there'll be a service so powerful in this place. One day the anointing will be so, we'll get so unified in the presence of God that God will open our eyes to the spirit realm and we'll look around and we'll see people on fire. Because if you could see in the spirit realm, you'd be seeing me on fire because I'm on fire. I'm burning at the top of my head. Acts chapter 3 verse 1, if you're there, shout I'm there. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. What hour was it? The ninth hour. Now watch this. Let me show you something. They went up to, together, first of all, together. They didn't come out of the Holy Ghost doing their own thing. Even though Peter was the only one that spoke, and he was the man of the hour. Can I get an amen? But he didn't even go into the temple by himself. He took those that was with him. Just because you're anointed, just because God chose you for the moment, he has always chosen you to take people with you. Somebody gets an anointing, somebody gets a revelation, somebody gets a, has a talent, somebody gets a promotion, and all of a sudden they don't want to hang with the people that was with them while they were on their way to where they were. Let me tell you something. I want to take everybody with me that I can take with me. Wherever God takes me, he's taking you because I refuse to go by myself. Can I get an amen? 
They went up together. Now watch where they went. Where did they go? To the temple. Y'all going to help me preach today? Is this solid rock? Where did they go? To the temple. My, my God, we've made it easy for you. We put it on the screen up there. They went together to the temple at the ninth hour to pray. Now you need to keep this in mind. I told you last week on your notes to write down and make note of the time that the Holy Ghost fell. When the Holy Ghost fell and people began to speak in other tongues and fire set upon each of them, we know approximately what time it was because when it happened, may have happened a little bit before this, but we know the exact time that this happened. The, the, when they called them drunk and they began to uh, comment on the manifestations of how they were acting, Peter said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. And it says, because it is but what hour? No, that's now. It was, it was the third hour. So the third hour is what Acts chapter 2 says, which was 9 a.m. Somebody say 9 a.m. So at 9 a.m. is when the Holy Ghost fell. Now, watch this, 9 a.m., right? So everybody say 9 a.m. 9 a.m. is when they were dancing in the Holy Ghost. He, then he stands up. He tells them this is the fulfillment of the prophet Joel. Then he preaches, uh, uh, quotes David, talks about the crucifixion of Jesus. Then he goes on and preaches some other things. And then he leads 3,000 to the body of Christ. Can I get an amen? All that morning. So within a few hours, the Holy Ghost has been poured out. The gifts of the Spirit have been made manifest in humanity. The church has been established. 120 people grew to 3,120 at least within just a few hours. Not a single person said a word then. because Did y'all just hear what I said? Within a few hours. That'd be like us having a 10 a.m. service this morning with this crowd. And then tonight we come back for a 6 p.m. service and there's not a seat in the house. Because so many people got saved by our message that we took out of this building this morning. Y'all ain't getting this. Because the Bible says on the same day, at the ninth hour, they were walking in to the temple. Now, you don't have to do quick math. I'll do it for you. Let me tell you what time that was. That's 3 p.m. That's six hours. Are y'all with me? So you understand that from the promise of the Father, the gifts of the Spirit being poured out for the first time in humanity, 3,000 people were born again all within six hours. And some of y'all think it takes 25 years to grow a church. God can grow a church in one day when you let the Holy Ghost do what He wants to do. Six hours. I think it's interesting that it was six hours because six is the number of man. It had Because man had to make himself be obedient to God and to get out of that upper room because it is not in our nature when the Holy Ghost falls in us to leave the room. 
Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. We want to bask in the room. We want to, we call it now, we call it soak. We want to just lay there and soak in the room. Well, I ain't got no problem with soaking services, but you know, I don't want to freak y'all out if you knew like soaking services. What kind of church are we in here? It's just what people call when they come together and they worship. They just lay before the presence of God. They soak up the presence of God. I ain't got a problem with that. What I got a problem with is, is that you lay there like a sponge and soak up the moment and take it to your recliner. Well, this ain't like last Sunday. Y'all were shouting real good last Sunday. Huh? Part three today is called Kicked Out with a Purpose. Sometimes God's got to kick you out. Sometimes God's got to tell you, listen, I wanted you to receive this, but I don't want you to stay here. Remember when Jesus, in the book of Luke, the Bible says we began his ministry, found the place where it's written in the book of Isaiah, he, and he put the book down, the scroll down. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, is anointing me to preach the gospel to the poor. You know what I'm talking about? And he began to talk about open blinded eyes, set the captive free. See, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and then he starts telling why it's upon him. For people to be delivered. The Holy Ghost baptism and outpouring is not for you to get a goosebump and feel like you've had a great church service. It is to empower you to set the captive free. It is to empower you to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. What good is it for us to have a Holy Ghost outpouring and a Holy Spirit fall in this place and we all feel like we, our lives have been changed and we do nothing with it? Six hours. Six hours. If it had been the church of the day, they'd be like, I need to take a nap. This is Sunday. Come on. How many of those you know, there ain't no naps like a Sunday nap? Praise God. You work six, other six days a week, you don't even take a nap, but on Sunday, you cannot stay awake. I'm talking about myself, y'all. Halfway through lunch every Sunday, Sandy looks at me and says, Well, he's shutting down. They didn't go home. They went to the house of God. Watch this. They went straight. Oh, you got to get this. These are tweetable moments, by the way. You can write these down. These are pretty powerful statements, what I'm about to say. They went from becoming the church to going to the church. Huh? The first act the church did was go to church. I wish 10 people would understand what I just said because that's the biggest thing people say today. They'll rebuke you. You'll say, how many is going to church today? How many is ready to have church today? And all of a sudden, the Facebook warriors will come out. I don't need to go to church. I am the church. Well, they were the first church. And the first thing the church did was go to church. You ain't hearing me. They, they could have stepped right out. Well, we don't need that place anymore. We're now the body of Christ. No, they needed to go to the temple to pray. Are you hearing me? How many of just because you Holy Ghost anointed don't mean you got you gonna stop praying now? You still need God. You ain't arrived. Hallelujah. Six hours, they said, My God. And we just had the greatest outpouring in the history of humanity, and we still need to pray. Is this good preaching? 
Some of it nowadays, you know what happened? First thing they've done is say, we got to go to TBN and tell everybody about what's happened. We got to go to Daystar TV. We got to go to all, we got we to make a, a podcast. We got to do a live stream. Turn your camera on. Give me, give me that camera right now. I got to do a live stream. Tell everybody that we, well, I just become the church. I was one of the first 120. Don't you, I tell you, I was there. I saw the fire. Comment below and tell me where you're watching. Send your donation today. Help us build a church called the Upper Room Church. Oh, yeah, the 120. We've planted a church today. Oh, we need to build a tabernacle. Make a donation today, and the Lord will bless you. Well, somebody shout, he's on fire. They went to the temple. Don't start giving me that mess that you ain't got to go to church to be the church. I know you are the church, but the way you learn how to be the church is in church. Now, when they got to the church, here's how everything changed. Oh, my God. See, they had went to the temple many times. But they went to the temple to receive. Every time they ever went to the temple, it was to get something. And they might have even thought, this is all we know. We need to go to get something. But the Lord had set them up. The Lord said, you, be, you think you're coming just to pray, to get something from me. But for the first time ever, when you step into the temple, you ain't on your way to get. You have been anointed to give. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. If all you ever do is come to Solid Rock Church to receive, you ain't you ain't moved into what God has for your life. You don't even know. Like they say, I keep coming to that Pawpaw thing, y'all. Y'all don't have to excuse me. I'm going to preach on Pawpaw a lot. People say, you ain't lived till you become a Pawpaw. You don't know love till you become a Pawpaw. True. But let me just tell you something else. You don't even know what it feels like to be a Christian until you serve someone else. Huh? Until you serve someone else. You think you know because all you've ever done is get the goodness of God. But when God uses you to give the goodness of God and put it on somebody else, that's when you know what a Christian feels like. Am I preaching right? Well, take a break, sister. Take a break. Enjoy. Now watch this. It says, she's good. She's doing good. She's doing good. Listen, chapter 3, verse 2. When they got to the temple, guess what happened? And a certain man, somebody shout certain man. It's very important. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, that means he's never walked, right? Was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the what? Temple. Where were they going? Temple. What did they think they were going to do? Pray. Guess what? They didn't know what was coming. So they're walking in the gate to pray. And when they get to the gate to go in thinking their agenda was to get there to pray. By the way, it describes this, temp this gate called beautiful. They met a man who was lame from his mother's womb and it says to, that he was asking for alms or donations, charitable donations. From all those who entered the temple. Now watch this. Oh, this is powerful. Verse 3. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he yelled at them specifically and asked for alms. 
It's very powerful. Verse 4, and he fixed his eyes on him, and fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter said, they said, look at us. Somebody say, look at us. So they stopped, they looked at him, they responded to his cry for money and said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, and here's the shouting line, expecting to receive something from them. Rod Parsley said back in the early 90s when I was first pastoring, and I've quoted a thousand times, the attitude of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. In fact, I found out later that he stole it from his daddy, Dr. Lester Sumrall. Dr. Lester Sumrall stole it from his daddy, Smith Wigglesworth. And if you don't know who Smith Wigglesworth is, you need to Google him. There ain't been many men like him in the history of the world. But he started way back then talking about expectancy. When you come expecting, it is a breeding ground for God to do something. If you come not expecting, it's a breeding ground for him not to do something. Y'all will get that later. But notice it said he was expecting to receive something from them. Now, let's be real and tell it like it is. He was expecting to receive money from them. That's what he thought he was going to get. But you need to understand something about this man. I love it when the Bible says a certain man. When you, when you study from a theological uh, aspect and you study and you break down Scripture, you will find that theologians will tell you that throughout the New Testament, any time that, that God wants to make sure that you understand, there is no mixing of stories, combining of stories. There is no parable involved. This is an actual historical event that happened to an actual person. God will always cause the writer to say, certain man just like you know I ain't got time to give you all the examples but there's many examples when you read the story of a parable very seldom if ever will the parable say a certain man it will say the kingdom of heaven is like a man that went out sowing seed that's a parable trying to explain to you that every man goes out and sows seed but when there was a rich man and Lazarus the Bible names Lazarus and the Bible names a certain rich man that means there was an actual rich man that went to hell and begged Lazarus to bring water and put on his tongue. Are you hearing me? So it's very important for you to understand that God said this is not just a, a combination of what happened on that day. They just walked in there and started doing miracles. No, God poured out his own breath and his own anointing and tried to teach us that the very first thing, the very first action of the New Testament church was to show that even though they were, they were empowered with the same exact anointing that Jesus Jesus walked under, he cared enough about one human being. How many of those they had enough power on them to go in there, stand at the gate called beautiful and just go, be healed. But God said, listen, just because you have my anointing doesn't take out the personal aspect of what ministry is supposed to be. They shall lay hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. See, now, because of our big churches, we've gravitated that to receive. 
If you want a healing in your body, stand or receive. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because sometimes you have to do that in mass crowds just simply because you don't have the time to lay hands on them. But in the middle of that, we have lost something. We have lost the personal aspect that if, if God has anointed us to heal the sick in his name, we're supposed to have a personal interaction with people. When people look at you and say, hey, when you pray, could you pray for this for me? You know what we do? Oh, yeah, I'll pray. And then we don't think about it again. You know what I've learned? Because I'm guilty of it. I was the pastor, I'll tell you. They'll say, pastor, could you pray for yeah, I'll pray. And I don't think about it again. And I started feeling guilty about it. And this is what I told the Lord. From now on, every time I can, I'm not perfect on this. I've missed it sometimes. If somebody looks up to me and they're standing in front of me and says, can y'all, when you pray, can you pray? I'm just going to say, well, let's pray right now. Praise God. Because I don't want to take a chance and forgetting it. And by the way, I'm an anointed man of God, so I might as well pray for you now. God has put a certain man and a certain woman in front of me. Mm. Now watch this. It's 11.39. Y'all ready? I'm about to kick it into high gear. Somebody shout, he was a certain man. That's the first thing you need to You understand that ministry is personal. Holy Ghost ministry is personal. If you're too good for the sheep, you're not a shepherd. Hey, pastors, if you got an entourage that brings you in and takes you out and you don't ever take anybody, touch anybody, shake hands with anybody, and you don't smell like sheep, you need to go get a job at an executive position at a business somewhere because you are not a pastor. Pastors smell like sheep. And I got news for y'all. Sometimes y'all stink. Now watch this. It did not say that he was lame from birth. It made a point. I mean, God doesn't make mistakes in his word. Every word is intentional. Every detail of the story is on purpose for you to make sure you get this detail. It is important. It would have been just as easy to say he was lame from birth because he was, right? Because when the Bible tells us he was lame from his mother's womb. So that means he was born lame. But it makes a point to say he was the thing that made him lame actually happened in his mother's womb. The condition for his life had been put in place even before he was born. There were no ultrasound in those days. So how did Luke know this? There was no doctor report. How did Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, know this? The only way that he would know that this man was lame from his mother's womb is God had to make sure that he included that detail. Oh, I feel the anointing right now. God had to make sure, son, as you're writing that, make sure you put this man was lame when he was in his mama's belly. Let me tell you what that tells me. That tells me that God, God's word already tells me this, that he knew us before we was even in our mother's womb, and he called us by name. Let me tell you something what that tells me. How in the world can you ever witness what we just witnessed this weekend with our grandbaby and not know, number one, there is a God, and number two, can I be real with you? How in the world can you ever justify the killing of a baby that is in the womb of their mother? Because God already knew the condition. Oh, 
y'all ain't hear me. If this would have been this, nowadays, they would have said, your baby is lame from the, and right now he'll never walk. You need to abort this baby. But thank God there wasn't no ultrasound because God knew what you think is a sentence that is a judgment that's been placed on you for life. God can turn it around. How dare you, how dare you curse somebody to death and say there's no hope for them. God knows more than you know. God knows more than you. And I got news for you, and I probably I might lose some people, might lose some watchers, I might lose some people even that's in here today, and I love you, I love you, but I got to tell you the truth. I'm sick and tired of hearing people talk about it. it's my body, it's my body, it's my right, it's my right. Let me tell you something. You don't even have a body without God. You don't even exist without God. It's God's body. He's the one that made every man. He's the one that made every woman, and it made you just So be it. So be it. I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm not trying to be political. I'm just trying to tell you that we have limited the scope of God. We have limited the, the scope of what God can see. We have boxed him in to what we can see. Did you hear me? We have filtered God's power and ability through what is rational and makes sense to us. But God made a point to say, listen, you got to get one thing if you don't get anything. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Then he goes so far as to say, because your thoughts are evil continually. Just good preaching. Are you thankful? I'm not asking you here to debate abortion or anything, but are you thankful that this man's mama didn't abort him? Because if he would have, we wouldn't have had, listen to the gravity of what I'm saying. We would not have the written record of the first New Testament miracle. The miracles that Jesus did were not New Testament miracles. Every one of them, I hate to bust your bubble, were Old Testament miracles. Because the book of Hebrews says the New Testament did not begin until the death of the testator. The Lamb of God had to shed his blood to take away the sins of the world. So when he said it is finished and he bowed his head and died, oh my God, that's when the old covenant was gone. Because there was no more need of the blood of bulls and goats. For he entered into the holy place once with his own blood. I wish somebody helped me preach today. And then he said, go tear in Jerusalem because there's a game changer coming. It's the promise of the Father. You shall be doomed with power from on high. And he goes on, you know it, you know it because you hear me preach it all the time. But here's the reality. It wasn't a miracle. I mean, I guess you call it a miracle, but it wasn't that kind of bona fide healing miracle that the 120 spoke in tongues. All that was equipping them for miracles. So the very first true New Testament miracle was this man. Am I preaching right? Whew, man, I got 15 minutes. I ain't going to make it. 
I will make it today because I go see my grandbaby. I'll just cut this sermon off right in the middle, and y'all can get it next week. True, I'm just messing. I'm just kidding. See, just because something happened in the darkness of the past of your life, that's what the womb is. The womb is dark. It's a place of molding. It's a place of shaping. And some of you have spent your whole life being dictated by the darkness of your childhood, the things that your mama and your daddy did to you, said about you, those that dropped you and broke you. And you've spent, you still, that's why when you get upset and you, and everything starts falling apart, you still ball up in the fetal position because you're still in the womb of your past. Even though you're a believer, you're still in the womb of your past. You've never broke the water. Come on, somebody. You've never had your water break. You've, you've never had a contraction that lets you push out of your situation. Let me tell you something right now. No matter what you look like in the womb of your past, no matter how dark it was, no matter how broken you were, no matter how lame you were, God's got a beautiful place that he's about to sit you. God's got a beautiful place that he's about to sit you. Oh, God's got a beautiful place that somebody's about to carry you and lay you down and you don't even know what's coming. You don't even know what's coming. Notice, notice the importance of the of people. Noticing the importance of having not doing life by yourself. He had to have somebody take him there. I can almost see a family member saying, you know what, we've done all we can do for that boy. We've took him to the specialist, we've t- but we don't know anything else, and we can't afford to buy his medicine anymore. But the least we could do, at least we could do, is take him to the temple. At least we could do is take him to church. Some of y'all want to give up on your kids. Listen, the least you can do is take them to the temple. The least you can do is carry them in this house. No matter what it looks like, carry them to the temple he'd been laid down at that gate countless times get this now that's the most biggest beautiful gate there is that's why it's called the beautiful gate it's larger than all the other gates and it would have been the gate that Jesus would have walked in many times through his three and a half years of his ministry to pray they were not going there because it was beautiful. They were going there because that was, their, that was their ritual because they followed their leader in that gate. Which tells me that Jesus passed by this man every time he went in the temple. Jesus. He shook his cup at Jesus. Can you give me some money, Master? Knowing Jesus, if he had anything, he probably threw something in the can. Inside, the words God was saying, Son, if you only knew what was coming. See, I don't understand how God works sometimes. There's some times in my life that I've said, God, where were you? How did you let this happen? But it's almost like God was saying, I know it looks like I don't care. I know you've heard the things that I do. You're begging me to do it for you. I want to do it for you. But son, if you only knew what was coming, 
because you are going to be the story. You are going to be the story that I'm going to use to illustrate for thousands of years that the same anointing that is on me is available to every man and woman. Just make sure they keep bringing you to the temple. I ain't got time to preach my notes. And I got some good notes. It says that while he was shaking that cup expecting something from them. He probably thought in his mind, I know you guys. I know you. I've seen you walk by me many times. The one they just crucified for 40 days have been telling me he's raised from the dead. But here I'm still here. Nothing like that happened for me. I heard about a story about some woman at a well. I heard about some leper. I heard about that guy Lazarus. I saw him the other day. We all knew he was dead. He's walking around here praying now. What about me? I know you guys. Apparently, it's just not in the cards for me. Apparently, I'm not supposed to get healed like everybody else. So you know what? I'll just take the next best thing. Can you at least give me some money so I can get sh- take another pill, take another shot, snort another line, drink another shot so I can just sort of get through this day? Just give me some money. I'm quoting it. Just follow with me on the screen. He looks at them. Oh, by the way, let me just say something. You ain't got to put it up there in the King James. A lot of times I like to go back in the King James because they, that's how I first learned it and read it. When, when, they said, when he said, fasten my eyes on them, and he said, to the, he said to the man that was lame, he said, look at us. Remember that? I love the way the King James says it because the King James actually says it when you read it out a little bit more accurately. This is what it says. He, in the King James it says, look on us. Look on us. Most other translations put thinks that it means look at us, but when you study it out, it literally implies you need to see something on me. In other words, just like when Elijah told Elisha, here's you've asked a hard thing, you want a double portion of my anointing, but, then, but here's how you get it. If you see me, if you see what's on me, you can have what's on me. Come on, somebody. Watch this. In other words, he said, there's something different about us, so you need to look on us. Don't look at, don't look at us. Look on us. Look beyond on what we look like because we bring you something that we ain't never had before. It's on us. Just six hours ago we got it. I mean that's a fresh anointing. I'm talking about six hours earlier they had a flame of fire burn on top of their head that could be seen. That's what they said. Look on us. He said let me tell you something. Silver and gold because that's what he was asking. Silver and gold I'll quote the King James, that's what I learned. Have I not? But such as I have, I give unto thee. Come on, somebody. Then he then, he, then the guy was like, What? What? I don't want, I don't, I don't want to know what I don't I, he's gone. Jesus is gone. Why are you trying to give me? He's like, you don't understand. Such as I have, I give unto thee. And then he said, then here's the powerful thing. You got to understand something. This is the man that preached the first New Testament sermon. This is the man that just led 3,000 people to Jesus. If he's gonna get the big head, he's got the big head right then. He said, You need to understand what I'm talking about. Can't even operate without the power of Jesus. So he says, silver and gold have I none, but 
such as I have I given to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Hey! But now wait a minute. Come here, Austin. Come here, Austin. Get up here. Get up here. Get up here. Run, 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 run. I'm not going to be nice to him. He's got, this is called ministry. He's got to suffer for the ministry. Lay down. You're lame. You're lame. Get down. You're lame. Look at me. Look on me. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have. You need to get this picture in your mind and never forget it. Such as I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Now, a lot of church services, we'd have spoke that over. We'd have walked away and we'd have, people would have been shouting because of what I just said. And then we'd have said something like this. And I'm not saying this is bad because I've said things like this. Because God does work to But we would have said something in that situation like this. Well, brother, let me just tell you. It may not have happened today. But who knows what's going to happen tonight when they lay you down in the bed. And they'd move on to the next person. But let me tell you something about where we got to get back to. Mm, where the church has got to get back to. Where the churches we have forgotten. Personal ministry. We have forgotten. Give, letting, giving God time to do something. Read your Bible. I don't know if it's already been on the screen, but if it ain't, watch this. Next verse. And he took him by the right hand and pulled him up. Do you see that? And then what happened when he pulled him up? Immediately, his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he started dancing. He started dancing. White folks can't dance. Let's just tell it like it is. Okay. It's all we do. Huh? I ain't through with you. Get up here. No. See, we got to get past thinking all we got to do is speak to somebody. Sometimes we got to get down there with them. Sometimes we need to stretch a hand out. Sometimes we need to pull them up. Sometimes we need to hold them up. The Bible said, if a brother falls into sin, don't judge him and talk about him. Greet, get him, stand him up, restore him to where he used to be. Remind him he's got a destiny. Huh? This is us, right? This is supposed to be us. We're the only religion in the world that shoots and kills our wounded. You'll never hear a Muslim speak out against another Muslim. Hardly ever. You'll never hear a Buddhist speak out against another Buddhist, but you will hear Christians talking about Christians like ain't no tomorrow. Now stay right there. All right. What's this? He's so he leaping, walking. Now wait a minute. What y'all missed was not only has he never done that, he had a judgment spoken on him by the devil even before he ever breathed that this would never happen. Now not only, as, not only can he walk, but the first thing he did was leap 
Oh, come on, y'all. See, some of y'all don't even know. Y'all won't even praise God, and you just got a miracle. You ought to praise him like you got a miracle. You ought to praise him. Some of y'all are like, I had a migraine headache. I got up this morning. I spoke. I put some praise and worship on, and I believe God. And I'll tell you right now, the, the headache is gone. Let me tell you something. If you really had a migraine headache, and you put praise and worship on, and the headache left you, you ought to be leaping. You ought to be dancing. You ought to be running. You ought to be praising God. Because that's a miracle. That ain't possible in the natural. Am I preaching good? Get on down here. See, what would have happened if the Holy Ghost wouldn't have kicked them out? They'd still be up in that room speaking in tongues. And he'd still be laying there lame, thinking that God had forsaken him. That's what I mean when I tell you, you have to hear me. My job is to equip you for the work of the ministry. There are gates called beautiful laying out in front of you every single day of your life. God has laid these people before you. They might not be laying on the prostrate on the, on the ground and can't walk, but they're broken. They can't walk in the spirit realm. They're battling depression, suicidal thoughts. Their marriage is, oh, is over in their minds. Their kids are addicted to crack cocaine or whatever. They're addicted to pornography. They're battling with sexual sins. They're battling blah, 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 filling the line. Alcoholic. How many of those sometimes they call them functional alcoholics? Some people can be full-blown alcoholics but learn how to not even let you know that they are. Huh? And they're standing right next to you. But if you're not full of the Holy Ghost and sensitive to the Holy Ghost and allowing yourself to be used by God, you'll never know it. But here's the powerful thing. When he said, look on us. And watch this. So leaping, he stood and walked in the temple with them. Walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people that saw him walking, number one, notice it didn't just say walking. It could have been, it would have been still powerful to say, and all the people that saw him walking. It made a point to say, and all the people that saw him walking and praising God. In other words, he could not walk without praising God. If you ain't never walked in your life, and it's the, that it's the first day you walking, you think you're going to praise God the first five steps? And all of a sudden, now you're just going to walk, and, well, this is pretty cool. Never, never knew it'd feel this way. Cool, man. Let's go get something to eat. No, you'll be like, I can't stop praising him. And when the people saw him walking and praising God, that they knew, this is why miracles need to happen today. They knew that this was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. That they were filled with wonder and amazement of what had happened to him. You want to pack this church out? You want to see God do what we want to see God do? Let somebody that said you'll never walk again be in these altars in a, in a wheelchair and under the anointing of God stand up and walk and I guarantee you they'll come out of the woodworks from the north, south, east and west that's why miracles happen it happens for the person but it also happens so that the world can see what God has done 
So stop limiting God to headaches and flu bug. God can heal cancer. God can give you a heart, a new heart. God can make the lame walk. God can open blinded eyes. He can cause the deaf to hear. We say, well, I only do it all the time. I don't know. I ain't God. But watch this. Just because I've not seen him do it every time that I've ever asked him does not negate the times that he did. Because I've seen him do it when it made it was not possible. So what you going to do with that? I'm not going to X out God's healing ability just because it didn't always happen when I asked him to happen because I know it has happened. So with every fiber in my being, I'm going to believe it's going to happen every time to the day I die. Now watch this. My God. See, here's the thing that you got to get. When God delivers you from a situation, from a situation that has held you back, you need to leave the situation. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. See, the moment he got healed, he said, bye-bye, gate call, beautiful. I don't even know if I'll even walk through you to come to church anymore. I'm done with you. Because you, rem- you might be beautiful to everybody else, but you, all you do is remind me of where I used to be. He immediately went into the temple where he had never been. He had never walked. He had only seen it being passed through and, or being dropped there because he couldn't go in. He was taken to the, to the door and dropped. He could see inside. He could see the activity inside, but he had never walked in and experienced it. Verse 11. Now as the lame man who was healed, this is what's so powerful. Come here. You got to see this because I've never preached this. It hit me this week. Now as the lame man who was healed, read that with me. What did he do? He held on to Peter and John. We never preached this part. And all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. Next week, I'm going to pick up the next verse. But he held on to them. Don't you, let them, don't you let them pop all outrun you. You don't let a pop all outrun you? Huh? You gonna let a pop all outrun you? Why are you not holding on to me? I'm trying. Now you gotta get something. This is incredible. Now, as the lame man who was healed. Held on to Peter and John. Now, when I was studying that this week, I saw that, and the first thought that came to my mind is, I bet you most preachers preach that he was still a little bit scared and still a little bit wobbly, that he still sort of felt like, I need to make sure while I'm getting my legs up under me that, that, I, that I got somebody to hold on to. But wait a minute. We just read. He was already leaping and dancing and walking. Then why is he holding on 
to the man of God. Oh, oh! some of y'all know where I'm going right now. Some of y'all know where I'm going right now. Why was he holding on to the man of God? Hey! <laughs> See that word held? This is amazing. It's the word kratio. And it literally means to hold, to keep, keep, to obtain, and retain. In other words, remember how this miracle started. Look on us. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Saw the heard the words, but saw the anointed man of God reach down. And when he grabbed him by the hand, he felt the power of God surge through the arm of Peter. He jumped up and immediately, do not let go of me. Immediately, he was healed, dancing and praising. So he said, you want to go in the temple with us? Let's go. So he's dancing and praising. Dancing and praising. He's dancing because watch this. The Bible says, don't let go of me. You are not doing. Listen, you're not helping me preach anymore. Okay. I say that every time. That's true. What you have to get is this picture. He was dancing and praising But he would not let go of the man of God. You better be dancing and praising. You better be dancing and praising. He would not let go of the man of God. Huh? Do you understand how silly that probably looked? But he got a a revelation. Listen, 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 listen. He got a revelation. Or at least his spirit man, he didn't even understand it yet. But his spirit man was saying, there is something on him that you need to obtain and retain beyond this moment. Because tonight, he's going to be gone. But while he's with you, you need to get as much as you can from him. That's called honor. Listen. I'm not talking about making your pastor into a celebrity, but you better know this. God put me into your life for a reason. And while I'm here, you better get everything I'm trying to give you. Because today when you go home, I'm not in your house. I'll be rocking my grandbaby, and I won't even be thinking about you. But right now, can I tell you something? I got something on me that you need. You better get it. You better obtain it. And you better be determined to retain it. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want more than just your miracle? Do you want the mantle? Do you want the vision? Do you want the vision? Get up on your feet and shout. I want the vision. I want the vision. I want the vision. Listen, here's the crazy thing. This word held. Somebody say held. This is mind-blowing. It's literally 
only used in the entire Bible one time. This Greek, this Greek word is never, the word held is, because you know how many of those you can have the same word, the English translation, but a different Greek or Hebrew word. The Greek word, I'll put my pop out glasses on. This is only until I get my contacts this week. Kratunos. The further definition of this is this. This is, this is literally what it means. A clinging, almost like a military term to seize. Listen, I'm reading verbatim. It is the only time used in the New Testament. It's almost like the writer wanted to know how much the man was holding on to them. Almost like that they were even being held against their will if that was even a possible. Possible. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Elisha. You need to go back home, boy. As the Lord lives and as I live, I will not leave you. In other words, I'm staying with you. I'm clinging to you because I know I ain't got you much longer. And what you have on you, I want on me. It's mind-boggling that this man who was lame from, the, from his mother's womb did something in a way no other person was ever described doing. Am I right, Delane? You've helped me study this out. Am I right? His reaction as the first New Testament miracle, what he did when he held on to them going in is never mentioned to ever happen like that again by anyone else. That word is only used one time to tell his story. Is that not incredible? See, this man who was broken, who had a death sentence, who had never made it in the temple, he didn't take his moment for granted. I saw that. Oh my God. Would to God. And we would get so excited, even as a baby Christian or a new believer, that we would realize I need people in my life. I can't let go. I need what they have on them. I need it. Praise God. Next week, the Lord willing, I'm going to tell you what happened. As this man held on to Peter and John, and they went into the temple praising and dancing, what happened next is unbelievable. One of my favorite verses in Scripture, Peter stops again with this man by his side, still clinging to him and begins to preach. One statement, give you a preview of next week that he said. He looks at all the crowd who looks wore out tired and broken just like he looked he used him as an example and he said let me tell you something first things first you want what he's got you want what I got you because what was on me is now on him you gonna tell me this man wasn't speaking in tongues you please 
he wanted everything that was on Peter. So you got these two Holy Ghost men of God standing there, and he says, repent and be converted so that you may partake in the times of refreshing. The times of refreshing. How many needs to be refreshed? How many needs a fresh oil? A fresh a fresh, clean drink of water from the Lord. How many, how many needs a renewing of your dedication, a renewing of your anointing, a new fire? Don't wait till next week to find out about it. The first step is this. First things first, repent. And then be broken before the Lord. And then receive. I know it. I mean, it has to be the Holy Ghost that go 14 minutes over my grandbaby. So this is Holy Ghost. And let me tell you something, son. You need to start working out. Because you know what he just told me? I'm going to tell on him. At the very end, as I'm closing, he whispers in my ear, just don't run. I'm tired. It's literally what he said to me. Monica, that is what he said to me. I know. Look, look at me. I'm 51 years old and I ain't even breathing heavy. You, Hey, listen. You need to cling to me. You ain't, you're, look, you're anointing. No, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing Thank you, son. Raise your hands all over this house. Father, we learn from this man, this unnamed man. Before this moment, he was known as the cripple. As the freak, they made fun of him, probably spat on him. Some of them probably stole his money. He was in pain, he was hurting. And one moment, one encounter. Don't you know the Lord was looking down? I know he was because he sees all things. Can you imagine what, what was going, the conversation that Jesus was having with his father? And the angels. I can almost imagine. I can't prove this is my opinion, but I can almost I can I can almost hear Jesus saying to the angels, Hey guys, this guy, I wanted so bad to do something for him, but I knew I had something better for him. I want y'all to watch what's about to happen because if I would have healed him, it would have been awesome. But when Peter and John do what they're about to do, it's gonna light a fire. It's gonna give people hope even like I couldn't even do in the natural. Watch this. He had to have been so proud of Peter and John because it launched, truly launched the church. If you're broken today, you're in a dark place. You've had a judgment spoke over you. You've believed a lie. I got something beautiful for you today. Lord has brought you and laid you at a place of miracle. I say unto you, if you need a miracle in your life, I ain't got no money to give you. It wouldn't do you no good if I did. But in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command you to walk. Walk out your miracle. Now reach over and grab somebody by the hand and look at them and say, I got you. 
I'm pulling you up. Come on, just don't jerk them hard, but just be, pull them a little bit. Just pull them a little bit. Come on, it's symbolic. Just say, you're not alone. I've got you. I'm pulling you up. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up. Somebody shout, get up. Look at somebody, tell them, get up. Look at somebody else and tell them, get up. Walk. Mm. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior right there where you're at, just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. Say it right there. Say it right there. Walk, 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 walk. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, He's given them power to become the sons of God. Walk. Holy is wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and chastised for our peace was upon it. By His stripes we're healed. Walk. It is finished. Walk. This promise is for you and for your children and your children's children. As many as the Lord God calls, it is for you. Walk in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up. Get up. <sighs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church. there was a way for me to take what is in my head and in my heart and put it on this screen. I wish to God I could. I wish to God I could show you what I see. I wish to God I could show you what I know God wants to send. I've seen it. I've heard it. I've felt it. I can hear it coming now. But I'm afraid. I'm afraid for some of you. I'm afraid some of you are going to miss it. Man, it's time to let some junk go. It's time to get free. It's time to get 